a father, a faithful grandfather. It is the highest honor this year to have in this place, we had to book him a year and more in advance, Mr. Dole Dykes. Would you welcome him as he comes? We're so honored. We're so honored. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pastor. What guitar should I play? I was on a TV show the other day, and uh, David, Dr. David Cooper from Mount Perrin came, and he had a Doyle Dykes model like this. I thought, I haven't played mine in two years, so I thought I would. It's good to have uh, some of my family and friends here today from uh, Florida. Mike Robertson that schedules me you know, a lot, his dad Rick is right over here. And then Jordan, who works at the airport, and I'm always seeing him over there, right next to him. Dick Merrill just came in from over in East Tennessee. He drove a few hours to get here, or flew. I don't know which one he did. He's got a plane. And then I have my daughter Holly, and then my son-in-law, I call him Boomer, because when I met him, he worked at the fireworks place. But uh, he had just gotten back in, uh, he was in Iraq, but we're glad he's here today, and he is my barber. And, so, <laughs> and also, uh, Drew, I'll introduce him even more, my, my grandson Drew, and also Lenny and Layla are here today. skies for amber waves of grain for purple mountains majesty above thy fruited plain America sing loud America God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. And right here in Cleveland, Tennessee, amen. He 
has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Sing it. His truth is marching on. Sing it like you mean that. His truth is marching on. You believe it? Glory, glory, hallelujah. Sing loud. His truth is marching on. Kentucky song. His truth is marching on.
<laughs> it's hard to remember all that. I haven't played that in years, and I played it in the studio, and Holly and Lenny were with me in Austin, Texas, and um, I'm rec I just recorded that for an album that's coming out for Guitars for Vets. So thank you, Boomer, and any other vets, veterans here today. So we're giving guitars away, and Jeff Carlisi's going to play on that. I told him, don't you cover up all the good stuff. Jeff Carlisi and I grew up together. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. He was with a group called 38 Special. So he's putting his little spin on that as well. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, guys. I wish I'd had time. I, 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 there, I wish I had. I don't know if you can find any photos or pictures to put up here of the Nepali coast. That's a random thing, isn't it? <laughs> And uh, Rick and I have been there before, and I, my son lived in Kauai, and he moved back and, uh, not too long ago, and uh, anyways, in law enforcement, but he had no time to even visit, and my wife and I had to go help him move, and also my daughter from Florida had to go help him move, and so she went and helped him two or three times. And so uh, then my wife said, what do you want for your birthday? It was like, we just got back in. I said, I'm gonna go help Caleb with his truck. And so I went back over, and I was flying out to Seattle anyway, so it was, you know, on the way, kind of, you know, <laughs> elbow to get to your thumb. But anyway, I, uh, I said, Caleb, you haven't even had a chance to see this place. And we went to this beautiful canyon called Waimea. If you've ever been there, you know where I'm talking about. It's just beautiful. It looks like the Grand Canyon in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And, and, uh, and Mike Robertson was there, uh, Rick's son, and he said, did you go to the top? And I thought he was talking about the top level, he said. And I, I thought he meant the lookout. And I said, well, it's just 20 feet higher, you know. He said, you have to go down the road, Doyle. You won't believe what you missed. You got to go. And so when I went back and I said, what's he talking about? I said, Caleb, Mike said, uh, we have to go down to, up to the next levels down the road here. And we saw one of the most beautiful sunsets. It's known to be one of the most beautiful sunsets in the entire world. And I enjoyed that with my son last year. And so I thought I'd play that today. I went back to Seattle. I was playing over there and in the hotel. Actually, on that guitar, I wrote this little tune, but I played on this. You know, sometimes when you think you've gone all, all the way to the top, you haven't seen anything yet. There's another level in the Lord, amen. He said, you have to, this way he said it, Rick, you have to go to the next level. And Rick, you took one of the most beautiful photos of that uh, Nepali coast I've ever seen. I call it the road to Nepali.
string. I have one back here. Like, which string do I hit? Sometimes I hit the one that's not there. That's what I just did. Oh, hit the other one. This is a really special guitar. I signed it myself. It's a Doyle Dykes model. So why you sign your own guitars? I was at this church, and look at this thing. I mean, it's Tennessee orange for sure, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I should play Rocky Top. You know. <laughs> and it lit up the whole stage at this church, and I'd just gotten finished playing. And they got up and started talking about, we need so $900-something-thousand-dollar for our TV ministry, and it was uh, Casey Treat. You, know, you probably know Casey. And I thought, oh, man, i got to give that guitar away. And so uh, I told them after church, and, so you're kidding, what's it worth? I said, ah, it's kind of priceless to me. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, oh, man. It's the last guitar my dad ever watched me and saw me play. It has this picture on the inside, and uh, you have one, too. Like, I put a picture in a couple of them, and maybe two or three at the most, and Dick owns one of them. This is another one. And I thought I'd never get rid of it, but just the Holy Ghost just hitting, you know, just give it to him. And so I did, and I uh, also played it at his uh, memorial, his funeral. And so uh, I was in, a, I was in uh, Chicago, WGN Radio, a secular station. It was, a, it was the biggest and the most, I think, the longest-running talk show besides Paul Harvey, and they were right on before him. They were all night. And uh, so they had us on a lot of times. My daughter got engaged, uh, her sister, on that show, and so we've known them for years. And I'm, it's a Steve and Johnny show. Johnny was a lady. Steve was her husband. And we're there, and the, uh, uh, the guy that was editor of, um, maybe I don't care about this, but I'm, I don't know, am I rambling here? I don't know. But anyway, I wrote this book, and he was with Moody Publishing, and he said, can I come with you? And he took me over there, and he had asked me what guitar you're taking. I said, he said, the orange one, of course. I said, I, it's on the cover of my book. I said, no, I, I, I gave it away. What? You know? And so uh, while I'm sitting there, uh, Johnny keeps shoving this, case, uh, this guitar case over, and I look down, I thought, what are you doing? I'm playing, and I was playing a song I wrote for my mom. <laughs> Takes a lot of concentration. Even though I wrote it, it's hard. And so I thought, what are you doing? And, uh, and I looked down, and it was a case to this guitar. And I'm going... Oh, my Lord, I know what you've done. And they got together with Bob Taylor and his wife and then the editor of the magazine and the, the DJs and bought my guitar back. So I will not take my name off this because it reminds me of the goodness of God and the goodness of people that love God. Amen. Uh, Dick and I also, we, he was at the Huckabee show. I was on there one night, and all the things they, they said, uh, we'd, I thought we'd play something patriotic. He said, play that when you wrote for your, uh, for your wife. It was a joke, you know. 
It all started back in 65, that's when I first realized I wanted to do something for my Lord. Like my daddy and my Uncle Smitty, I love guitars, they sounded so pretty and I knew that's just what I was looking for. My first guitar was a silver tone, I wore my fingers to the bone, it played so hard my fingers got so sore. But I knew the guitar was for me, it was bound to be my destiny. Ever since that time I've been guitar poor. I'm guitar poor, guitar poor. Oh Lord, won't you help me, I'm guitar poor. Guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord have mercy on the guitar poor. I got flat tops, arch tops, steel string, gut string, solid body, hollow body, six string, trail string, acoustic, electric, and resonators and more. Cutaways, non-cutaways, over-cutaways, flame tops, gold tops, jumbos, dreadnoughts, double all three plus. Man, I'm guitar poor. Guitar poor. Guitar poor. Oh, Lord, won't you help me? I'm guitar poor. Guitar poor. Guitar poor. Lord, have mercy on the guitar poor. My wife knows me pretty well, I guess. I was mopping the floors and making the beds, and she knew I was up to something for sure. I ran outside in my pickup truck. When you know it's just my luck, she says, Doyle Dykes, I know you're headed to a music store. There's just one thing I should have grabbed first. That checkbook that was in her purse. She stirred this as a waving it at the door. I said, come on, honey, now, baby, please just give me the checkbook so I can leave. She says, Doyle, how many guitars do you need? And I said, just one more. Guitar poor, guitar poor. Oh Lord, won't you help me? I'm guitar poor, guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, have mercy on the guitar poor. Guitar poor, oh Lord, won't you help me? I'm guitar poor, guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, have mercy on the guitar poor. <laughs> you know, the Lord knows those things that mean a lot to you, and uh. And uh, he knows the guitar meant a lot to me. And my dad was a guitar player, too. Everybody called him Bubba. If you went to his house, you would hear him play this.
am a pilgrim and a stranger traveling through this wearisome land I've got a home in yonder city good lord and it's not not made by hands I got a father even the Lord knows him as Bubba who has gone to my sweet home I'm determined I'm gonna pick with him again over on that other shore play it dad a stranger traveling through this worrisome land I got home in yonder city good lord and it's not not made by hand It's not, not me by hand. <laughs> yeah, all right, praise the Lord. When I was, uh, when I got saved, I was 11 years old when I got saved, and and uh, it was a lady evangelist that came to her, Minnie Irene Baxter. And her husband passed away, and so she took his date book and said, well, I can just fill these dates. And then she started preaching and started getting more bookings, and she got more popular than he ever was, you know? And uh, she came to our church, and 52 young people were saved as the Church of God sanctified, baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was one of those. My brother also, he was already saved, but he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and boy, he could already play the piano. In fact, I took a couple of years of piano, couldn't, didn't do anything. I just, he was so good. He could play so good at our church. It was about 800 people, and he was playing in big church. Couldn't even see over the, the music stand to watch my papa leading the singing, you know. <laughs> My granddaddy led singing for 33 years at our church, and so that was our lives, you know. But not me. I just gave up. Didn't want to do any of that, you know. But when I got saved, I was sitting right about where you are, brother, right there on the end, right there on the front row. And I was, glad for the first time, even though I was raised in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night youth service, Friday night, YPE. Anybody, y'all don't remember that. You do? My Lord. Oh, my Lord. Hallelujah. And we will fight for right forever. And we will take our sin for holy. That's totally politically incorrect if you think about it. We sing a lot of politically incorrect songs. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war. 
What about Victory in Jesus? Written by World War II vets, that kind of stuff. You don't hear that much anymore. We need more of that. We have victory in Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Where was I? I don't know. Anyway, when I got saved, for the first time I knew in my knower, I was saved. I raised my hands to the Lord, made a little altar out of my chair. Nobody told me to do it. Sister Baxter didn't tell me to do it. I just did it, and I raised my hands. I said, Lord, give me a job to do, and I'll always tell people about you. Awesome. <laughs> I've been doing that a long time. Awesome. He put a desire in my heart to play the guitar. Very shortly after that, I was playing my first solo in church. And so, anyway, uh, somebody asked me the other day, Sir, are your fingers insured? I've been doing this a long time. You know, I'm in my 60s now. And I said, no, but they're on Medicare. Does that count? <laughs> so, oh, man, speaking of piano, my brother's a great piano player, but my grandson just started picking out things on his own, and I wanted him to play something fun. This is God Day. Come on, guys. We're doing God, just fun music, fun stuff. And uh, this is my, my short little grandson. Amen. Look at that. Oh, I mean, what happened to him? I mean, it was like Christmas. He didn't look like that. Anyway, oh, man. Uh, what you going to play? Uh, maple, leaf rag. maple Leaf Rag. Hallelujah. Bishop Tim and, and uh, Dusty to go to the General Assembly. He didn't play that on the General Assembly, but we hung out all week out there in Texas in San Antonio. Got to spend some great time with, uh, with my grandson. And uh, Layla says, when's my turn? Your turn's coming too. And, uh, we, we just, anyway. Oh, wow. It brings me back. And our young people's endeavor. I, I was playing. He was playing that in A-flat. 
I hate A flat. But I learned to play it A flat and B flat and all those godforsaken chords. I'm sorry, forgive me for saying that. But horn chords, piano chords, all that stuff. E flat, A flat, B flat. Come on, how about a E? You know, or, or an A or a C. Oh my Lord. And so uh, there was this. Uh, but I played rhythm guitar behind Jesus for several years. When I was uh, when I started playing my guitar, I had a wonderful dad. I'm so thankful for him. In fact, uh, I did. My first guitar was a silver tone. Wore my fingers to the bone. Played so hard, my fingers got so sore. I remember breaking a, a key on it on the third string, and I'd had to go out and get my dad's pliers and tune it up, and then I had to go put them back because you know he he wanted you to put it back where you got it. And every time I played guitar, I had to go to the garage. <laughs> And so uh, one day I was walking home from school, and I, I find it just kind of dawned on me just recently, he couldn't wait for me to get home. Dad, he had this old red Ford Fairlane. He could not wait for me to go home. I'd walk home from school. I was still, you know, at elementary at that time. And uh, he picked me up and said, get in the car, son. He saw me walking down the street. He was almost home. He couldn't wait. And we went downtown. Where are we going? Going to, going to the music store. Okay. And I was in the guitar, you know. And, uh, and, and he said, I got your guitar fixed up for you. Oh, okay. I wasn't real excited about it because it played so hard, Rick. I mean, and I figured he repaired my tuner, you know. Got in there, and he said, well, look around, son. I'm going to talk to the owner. And he went over and talked to Fred Paulus, and they, and they said, well, come, back, come over here, Doyle. And I was looking at all these teardrop-shaped box guitars, you know, and all these great guitars of the 60s. 335s and all it was great I was having to get because I never was into it until then you see that's when I got saved and, and, I, and I wanted to play for the Lord my first solo I still get nervous Papa said Doyle's going to play a solo and I went with my silver tone my knees were shaking <laughs> is that an Elvis impersonation you're, you're doing you know I was so nervous it still makes me nervous to play this it's my own rendition of I've been with Jesus, I've been with Jesus, and I'm so happy, and I can feel it in my soul. With love he sought me, with blood he bought me, I'm with Jesus and I'm whole. And I sat down, that was it. So I remember one time I was at church and here come this sailor. We're always having sailors over at the church. You know, it was either for God or girls. We didn't care as long as they came. Like you said, as long as you get them in the door. And they came, but this one was God, girls, maybe, I don't know, but guitars. He heard there were guitars there. And so he came in and asked my dad after church. He said, Brother Dykes, do you mind if I play your guitar? Sure, play us something. every day I'd run home and put on my records my buddies like I said you know, across the, the town over there back when they were my age they were listening to Hendrix you know and Cream and you know all these guys but not me Chet Atkins, Merle, Travis for you guys old enough to know who those names are Les Paul and I got to play with Les Paul like you said and Merle and, and uh, Chet on, on, on the Grand Ole Opry play with Chet Atkins you can look it up on YouTube. It's still on there. And so God blessed me so much. But then I was just trying, how does he do that? Ran to mama, can we have him over for dinner, which meant the middle of the day, breakfast, dinner, supper. And he taught me this. And so that's the way I learned, Jordan, from that one visit. 
It, it changed my life. Just spending time with a young person could change their life, amen? It, it, you know, they may not have a dad like I had or like you had, some of you, but if we would be that figure sometime, yeah, well, let me show you something. And it changed my life. In fact, when I was inducted into that Hall of Fame, Thumb Pickers Hall of Fame that Merle, uh, at the Merle Travis uh, Center in Kentucky, the man I, I just went and listened to him every day, at his center in Kentucky, I was inducted in there along with him, Chet Atkins, uh, Tommy Emanuel, Jerry Reed, now Doyle Dykes. First guy I called was that sailor that came to my house. And so in the eighth grade, you know, talent show, You think any kid in eighth grade that could do that? I lost. I played a church song, but I mean, they didn't know what it was, but they didn't recognize it, so I lost. But you don't give up. That's right. This is God Day. Did I say that? Yeah. Ninth grade talent show. The most popular song on the radio was an instrumental, a guitar instrumental. Later, I met the guy who wrote this. He said, I was a classical guitar player. I had nothing to play at parties, so I wrote this. <laughs> and it became the truth. He was a comedy writer for the Smothers Brothers show, Mason Williams. <laughs>
I won that contest. I wish I'd have thought I could have taken the trophy because I'm here local, you know. I live here. What a blessing it is to be home today. But uh, it, I have a trophy. In fact, <laughs> I didn't know I won. Honestly, I had no idea that I won because uh, the dance where they announced the winner was on a Friday night. Where was I? And that's the truth. So they said, you could hear it come on, all over the whole school. Doyle Dykes come down to the front desk, front office. What did you do? All my friends said, I don't know. Never got called down before. I went down there and he said, well, you won. I said, won what? He said, you won the uh, talent show. And he, and he slid a little trophy across the desk and it's that big. I still have it. Amen. Amen. God, give me a job to do. I had to take a little different way, path to do that and to reach people. I didn't play a church song. I played the most popular song on the radio. And I found out if you want to reach the world, sometimes, you know, we don't have to live worldly, but we have to go in the world. We're in the world every day anyway. You don't, if you sell houses, you don't just sell houses to Christians. You sell houses to everybody. Or cars, or you teach, you teach everybody. Whatever it is that you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And that's what I learned from a long time ago. And one boy said, man, you sure seem to have it together. He was more popular than me, you know. Everybody was more popular than me. I was such a nerd, you know. And I just run home every day and listen to Chet Atkins. And Chet, I mean, come on. And I said, what do you mean? He says, uh, you still have that little book in your pocket? I thought he was going to make fun of me because I carried a Gideon's Bible they gave to us and I had, all, had it every day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, are you going to say something ugly? And he says, uh, is there anything in that book for me? I said, yes. It was in a study hall and it was kind of dark in there. I don't know why they had it so dark in study hall, but he, it, he jumped over the chair and I said, get over here, man. And I showed him Romans 10 and 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God is raising from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I asked him if he believed in Jesus. He said, yeah, you believe he lived and died? Yes. You want to receive Christ today? You believe he's the Savior of the world? Yes. And he received Christ in study hall. Amen. Ninth grade. Ninth grade. I still remember it. In the next verse, I said, don't forget it. It's real important. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What does that mean? I said, tell people about him. Don't be ashamed of him. And he gave me one of the best compliments to this day that I've ever had in my whole life. He said, Doyle, I'll be like you. I won't be ashamed. I'll talk about him. I'll talk about him. Give me a job to do, and I'll tell people about you. And a few months later, I asked a friend of mine in the 10th grade, and I said, what happened to Harold? I haven't seen him around. At the new school, Andrew Jackson. And he says, oh, you didn't hear about Harold? He was living in Jacksonville. He went to the beach, chest deep of water. The, the riptide took him out undertow, and he drowned. But Harold has been with Jesus ever since, ever since. Amen. That's the good news. 
either either we believe in this stuff or or we don't. Amen. And of course, I I remember other kids that were so popular in school. I remember there were, oh man, I was a couple of twin girls, and uh, oh, I forgot I had this was my dad's. Put it on today. Isn't that cool? He loves. You think he loved guitars or what? <laughs> I have his wedding band on too. This was dad's. Thinking about my dad. So anyway, I remember these two twin girls, Rita and Reba, and they were in the eighth grade, I was in the ninth grade. They were so pretty, and uh, they won everything. They were so popular, not me, until I won that contest. But they were so popular. One was a president of the, of the student body, other vice president. One was a captain of the cheerleaders. Other one was co-captain. How do you win everything in your life, you know? And so I'll, I'll, never, I'll never just forget about how the Lord just gave me favor and continue to give me favor and, and, uh, and still does because I married one of those twin girls. You're wondering, why are you talking about little twin girls? <laughs> Her name is Rita, and the, my big up-front line, opening line, would you like to go out for a Coke? Everything, everything. If you went out for a Coke, that, that means anything you like. Orange Crush, whatever it might be. Oh, sure. And went out after church. I saw her. She was visiting in our church. And I, I wasn't even supposed to have been there. I was traveling with a quartet. Took a job with J.D. Sumner's stamps. Just happened to be in. And there she was. And I said, you will? And uh, my buddies were over there going, she won't, she won't, she won't. She did. She still loves Cokes and her favorite are Mexican. Where did we go yesterday, Layla? <laughs> I pulled up there. She says, oh, you still buy her Cokes? I said, yeah, the best kind. She said, Mexican. I couldn't believe you said that a while ago. That's so funny. God is so good, isn't he? You see, uh, this is Talking all day anyway, thinking probably, well, you may as well. And uh, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, uh, 19.5 million children grow up fatherless in America. That's one out of four children in America are without a father or they grow up without their dad. 85% of the incarcerated prisoners grow up without a dad. Did you hear that? 85%. Uh, 71% of high school dropouts grew up without a dad. There's a prison uh, ministry, uh, Pastor Skip Heisig of uh, uh, Albuquerque, good friend of mine, he's a wonderful guy at the Calvary Chapel. They support this prison ministry. He said they give out cards every year, like Christmas, birthday, whatever, Mother's Day. They had 1,000 requests for Mother's Day cards. Father's Day, they had six. That's the difference. You see, and uh, Abraham Lincoln said, there is but one way to train up a child in the way he should go, and that is to travel it yourself. You don't just let a kid out at church. You take him. You bring him. Amen? And Socrates, even though he wasn't a believer, said to the men of Athens, he wondered how men could be so careful training up a cult and so indifferent to the training up of their own children. I used to work with this guy named Danny Drake. He was an amazing artist. You see some of his work even here. 
at the uh, Church of God headquarters. He and his brothers were wildlife uh, artists, but he was a great preacher. He said, this guy asked me to go to his house on Sunday afternoon. you got to see my German shepherds. He, and he kept bragging about it, so he went over there. He said he had the best trained German shepherds you ever saw in your life. They were amazing. They were. But his kids were hellions. <laughs> <laughs> and so what is it like to be, what should be, as, as a father, what does the Bible say about it? It says honor, first of all, honor your father and mother, which is one of the big ten, number five. So it'll be well with you. You'll live long. Honor your father and your mother. And by the way, it doesn't say your father and your father, or it doesn't say honor your mother and your mother. It says honor your father and your mother. I'm not hating on anybody here today, but there's a time when those kids are going to need a father figure and a mother figure. Amen? And that's just the way it is. Father knows best. Remember those shows? Father knows best. My three sons. Even Andy Griffith was a single parent, but he was a good dad. Now the way they portray dads are stupid in a lot of shows, and they make them look dumb. Oh, it's just dad. There's a real attack, really, on the family today. God wants us to be men of God with discipline and self-control. And also uh, in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. That's the message. I like the message Bible. I have one right here. Proverbs 4 and 1, My son, listen to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. They're not so dumb. Amen? My son, Proverbs 6, 20, keep your father's command. 3 John 4, which is more of a general statement of parents, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. Amen. And uh, Skip Heisick also, I heard him say this one time. He said, you know, it was uh, Brother Joshua, not Sister Joshua, that even said this. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have to take control and be the head of your household, right? And that's the way God ordained it to be. If you don't believe that, read Ephesians 5. And if you read Ephesians 5, he compares marriage even to the, to, uh, to the church, he says, if you love your wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that's not such a bad deal. So it's, and women uh, don't want to, oh, leave that part out, even the princes of Wales. Oh, I don't want to say that part about submission. Told the, the priest to leave that out. You see, but if you really look at what that is, that's not so, he's supposed to treat you like a queen. Amen. My wife and I will be married 50 years this year. Amen. What a blessing that is. I'm thankful for that. And she knows she's the queen. <laughs> All right, uh, my dad, let me talk about my dad. I, I did this today. I did this today. On a, I, I, during the pandemic, everything was shut down. I had no work. Everybody says, well, you should, you, you ought to just put, uh, you can make money by putting guitar lessons online. I said, I'm not supposed to do that. God has never told me to make money online doing guitar lessons. I just don't do that. And, uh, and, and so Holly said, well, Dad, you already have a, uh, this is Holly right over here. You already have a YouTube channel. I said, I didn't even know that. And she said, well, you have 500 subscribers. I didn't know that. And I said, well, I should, she said, well, you ought to do more videos. So we just started just guitar picking videos and now started teaching more on, on there. I thought James Taylor can do free lessons. I can do that. 
And so the Lord just blessed. And so I, I just started doing that. And so the Lord uh, uh, gave us, uh, he gave me an idea of, <laughs> I won't tell you where I got, but anyway, I call it Sunday String Along. It's a Sunday String Along. And I started doing these things where I thought, well, instead of just picking the guitar, I'm gonna share my heart. And so now, no matter where I play at a church, we have several thousand. We average five to 8,000 on a Sunday, right? Usually five to 8,000 people. And so that's a good thing. And how, what about you put on Facebook this week? How many views did we have on there? Several thousand more, like 20? But it was up there, right? You, you said some 15, 20,000 on that. And so there's a, a way. That you, so anyway, this was my Sunday string, alo, uh, string along notes for today. Just go to YouTube. And uh, some. Uh, this is not uh, sh shameless self-promotion. This is promoting him. I don't get a dime out of this. This is just what I do for the Lord. He put this in my heart to do. And we'll have 20,000 subscribers this week. 20,000. So it's growing. And so he's, uh, my, my dad, he was, like I, I talked about him a while ago. Number one, he loved us. He loved me. He loved mom, my brother. And, uh, and he, uh, <laughs> I said he loved the guitar. I, I forgot to uh, finish the story a while ago in the music store. He said, I have your guitar fixed up for you. And I walked over, and he opened a guitar case, and it was a brand-new Gibson J45. I forgot to mention that part. That was the best part, wasn't it? That was a punchline of that. Maybe it's supposed to say it here. My dad worked in a paper mill, and he worked shift work. I mean, he'd come off in the morning, and a lot of times my brother and I would be getting ready to go to school, and I'd look through the door. And I'd see him on his knees. There wasn't a time before he went to bed. No matter how long he'd work, even if he'd pulled a double, he was on his knees. He loved the Lord. He loved God. He loved his family. And he took care of us. And quitting was not an option for him. He never quit anything that I know of, except I heard he smoked at one time. I never saw him smoke, but when he got saved, done. It was done immediately over. People, I heard people ask, I heard somebody say, well, Bubba, don't you think people smoke and go to, go to heaven? He said, oh, yeah, I do. You, you might get there a little quicker. <laughs> My daddy said that, okay? I didn't say it. My daddy said, Bubba said that. We'll, we'll blame that on Bubba. But he also took time. He took time for us, and he spent time. Not everybody has that. My wife that I talked about, and one of the reasons I mentioned Rita and Reba, they also had a sister named Patty and a brother named Dean who was a drummer, good drummer. Greg Allman went to his house and tried to, to hire him, but he had such a good local gig in Jacksonville, lived on the beach, had a chimpanzee, and hardly uh, chopped, and he put that monkey on his back. He had a real monkey on his back. He was the most popular guy at the beach. He says, nah, I'm too happy, and he wouldn't go. She had another brother, Billy, five kids. When Rita was two, her dad walked out because he was an alcoholic. She never got to know him. When she was 17, she met him, and uh, she would have never known who he was. My mother is 95, and she told me just recently, she says, the only, one of the few regrets I have in my life, and the biggest regret, is I never got to know my father. He died when she was two years old. So not everybody can stand up here and say things about their dad like I have to you. 
Charles Stanley, there's a, a video. I wish you, I don't know y'all very well, and you're looking at me a lot of you say, you played on the Grand Ole Opry? I never even heard of you. I never heard of you either. <laughs> Let's just be friends. <laughs> Let's just say God's good anyway. <laughs> Amen. The power of a father. Look it up, YouTube, the power of a father. He said, the power of a father and its influence on a child is tremendous. He said, it doesn't matter how they leave. Mine died when I was nine months old. And he said, I went into ministry. My mother did a great job, a single parent. I was raised by a single parent. But he said, even when I got older in life, and he said, I had a great church, had a great TV ministry, everything was going well, except something was missing in my life. And there were people, confidants, and there were people that I would counsel with across the country. We met in the middle, which was Colorado. And he said, I got a hotel. And he said, guys. And he told them, he says, I don't know what it is, but he says, I, I'm empty inside. I don't know why. And so they had dinner. He said, well, uh, Charles, why don't you just write down your life? Just kind of give us a synopsis of your life and your story. And he sat down and he wrote his life story. And he, they had, uh, you know, uh, later on he went back to the room and then he finished everything up and at lunchtime the next day he brought it in and, and they and read it and then uh, later on they met again. And one of the men said, Charles, put your hands on the table. And he put them both down. He said, I want you to bow your head and just lay your head on the table. He said, now just let the Father love you. He said, suddenly I felt my hands tremble and I began to weep uncontrollably. Here's Pastor First Baptist Church, Atlanta. He said, I wept, I couldn't talk, I tried. He said, then I would weep again. He said, for the first time in my entire life, I felt the love of a father. I felt what I had been missing all that time and it came from him. If you think about another father, another, another man that was raised by a single parent, his name was Jesus. He was only 12. That's the last time you heard of Joseph. And they said he was a good man. And he taught him his ways. All the fathers taught their sons their trade. Uh, and, and so it, some people say, well, he was a construction worker. Some say he was a carpenter. Could have been a brick mason. But most people say he was a carpenter because they said he was the son of a carpenter and he was a carpenter, son of a carpenter. You know the story. He talked about his brothers. And, all. and so Jesus worked and no doubt supported her when Joseph died. That's as far as we can understand that. And so and, and he was not there when he started his earthly ministry. His earthly father wasn't, but his heavenly father was. And 150 times in the Bible, he refers to God as his father. And over 30 times, he refers to him as our father. Even taught us how to pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And you know what he said after that? And when you stand praying, I wasn't going to say this. 
This wasn't in my string along notes at all. And when you stand praying, at that same time, you pray that prayer, forgive. That your Father in heaven will forgive you. For if you don't, your Father won't forgive you. I remember after we were married, Rita and I had two little girls, Heidi and Holly. And we were, I was evangelizing. I left the Grandpa John. I used to play with Grandpa John. After J.D. Sumner and Stamps, I worked with Grandpa Jones. What a job that was. Hey, Grandpa, what's for supper? I heard that so much. I could tell you all of his lines. Cornbread, turnip greens, candied yams, butter beans, blackberry cobbler, and all things rare. The more to eat and the more to spare. And everybody said, <laughs> well, somebody said, amen. It's a spiritual thing there. I mean, yum, yum. But anyway. But we were out in, uh, in Louisiana, and Rita said, you know, I'd like to see my daddy's grave. She said, you know, I did meet him. I was 17. And I said, yeah, honey, I know. I remember that. And we looked all over, and finally we couldn't find it in New Orleans because that's where he lived. And somebody said, no, he's on the other side in Lake, of Lake Pontchartrain. And we went in the way backside in the country and found this little graveyard off to itself with a fence and just moss hanging everywhere and pine trees and the big old oak trees and it was beautiful but we looked probably an hour for his grave and in the corner somewhere she says I found it over here girls come over here this is your papa and the girls went over <laughs> and I reluctantly went and uh, we had already brought flowers and uh, and I wasn't making very much money but I went anyway and I and I and we yeah okay and she let's clean this off and I helped her clean the straw off and there were some old flowers that had been there plastic and you know and they were all rotted and nobody had been to his grave no doubt many many years and she cleaned all that off and she put new flowers on there she said this was your this was your grandpa and I heard her and she just started talking to me she said daddy I'm sorry I never got to know you. But I hope that someday I will. I hope you made it to heaven because we prayed for you. And she said, I hope one day my kids will meet you. But Daddy, I want you to know I forgive you. I forgive you. And I stood and looked at her and all my life I had a wonderful dad wonderful mother Charles Stanley said that not having a dad has it left a great big gaping hole in my heart and in my life that I never knew about until that day that the Lord ministered me ministered me in that in that way when I saw her say daddy I forgive you for the first time I think in my life I understood what forgiveness was thought I knew but I didn't I didn't have a clue daddy I forgive you that's why I've done my very best to to provide and to bless her with Mexican cokes as much as I possibly can let me tell you something your father may not have treated you good in this life but you have a heavenly father that loves you 
And if you will go to him and say, Lord, I forgive my earthly father. I release him in the name of, no matter what he's done to you, and it could have been terrible things, but I release him in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I receive you. Not Jesus, not only as Lord of my life, but I receive you as my father, my heavenly father, Lord. I receive you as father. Jesus said, I am my father of one. You want to see my father? Look at me, you know? And he wanted us to have that kind of a relationship with him. And you can have that today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This life is so temporary. We're going to have a long time. In fact, uh, Layla, give me that message Bible. I'm afraid to bend down. I'm getting too old. I'm about to fall the rest of the way with a guitar. I don't want to mess this guitar up. Thank you, Layla. Layla, how old are you? Oh, my Lord, God, help me, Father. <laughs> help me to be the good, the perfect granddad to her and, and protect her in Jesus' name. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Abba, Father. God's spirit touches our hearts and con our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children, and we know that we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. Amen. We go through exactly what Christ goes through, and if we go through the hard times with him, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him as well. You believe that? There is a way God has, amen. Did you read out here? He has a plan for you, a future and a hope. Good things are coming your way. Just like the song said a while ago. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I had other things I was going to say today, and I'm not going to say them. I'm just going to end up with a song that I, I was, uh, I played at the James Burton Festival. Holly, did you go to one of those? It was Haley, Haley. Um, we have three daughters, Heidi, Holly, and Haley. Can I do two more songs? Yeah. Heidi, Holly, and Haley. In, in 1980, I left Grandpa Jones and went home. It was only Heidi and Holly. Holly was two. Heidi was four. We moved back to Jacksonville from Nashville. I was evangelizing. I got home from Savannah at a big church, Durant Avenue Church of God in Savannah, Georgia. And I got in late, and my wife said, well, have fun. They're yours. She gave me a kiss and a hug and went to bed. And uh, I said, y'all want? And I said, y'all want to play? And they go like that. So we did till about two in the morning. What, Holly? You don't remember that? You were two, anyway. And so tell us the story, Dad. It's too late. Your mama killed me. Tell, come on, Dad. Tell us the story. And then they said, "Can we say our prayers?" And I said, "You have me." So we said our prayers, and they had little twin beds. I'm going to switch guitars because the tuning is just crazy. I'm going to talk while I do this. Is that all right? And so I said our prayers with them. And Holly went to sleep. I said a little poem prayer. She went to sleep before amen. Heidi was wide awake. Daddy, do you think God would bring me something if we ask him? And that's... Drew's mother and Layla's mother Heidi she's in Florida 
I said, what is it you want? She said, I'd like to have a rose. Now I'm going to tell you why there's a white rose on that signature model of mine with Taylor and also here, little white roses. I'm going to tell you why. And, uh, and, she, and I walked, we prayed, and I walked out. I said, how come you want a rose? She said, because they're so pretty, and I've always wanted one. I'm thinking, all those years, you're four. <laughs> and so anyway, the next night at our little prayer time, she said, well, Daddy, can you tell us the story? I did all that. I said, well, let's pray. And, and it was Holly and Heidi and me. That was our favorite times together. And we started to pray, and Heidi's hand was shaking. I look over, and you know, what's wrong? And big old tears flowing down her cheeks. How come God didn't bring my rose to me today like that? You think he forgot? And what do you say to a little girl? I was dad. as a God question. I said, you know, we didn't mention the color of that rose. Good answer, right? And she said, did he need to know that? I said, maybe he did. And she said, I was thinking of a white one. When she said that, it was you didn't have cable, you didn't have Walmart back then. You did, you you had to order one from a florist. I'm thinking, okay, and uh, I couldn't hardly see. We asked God for a white rose, and the next day I had to go out of town to this little place called uh, Deland, Florida. Perry still goes down there. There's going to be a revival in Deland, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I I, uh, I got up. I couldn't hardly. I didn't tell my wife. Didn't tell anybody about it. But I couldn't hardly sleep. Thing. I got up and I th rose, white rose. I got to order one. I, I, uh, you know, I could ask a friend to go drop one by, and I thought she'll know. She'll know. So I didn't. I just got still before the Lord. Talked to him about it all afternoon. Played my heart out in this little church, and. Uh, after church, the pastor said, well, why don't you join us next door for some refreshments? And I had recorded with his wife right here at the headquarters of the Church of God. She was a singer, sang at camp meetings, and, but I'd never been to their church. And so they invited me, and I played my heart out, just a small, it just had a little center aisle and just two sections. And uh, everybody had left after church, and the pastor said, okay, I said, I'll join you all if you miss. I'll just get my guitars out, and I'll be right over and no one in the building after he left and then suddenly the back door just kind of burst open this little lady walks in and she had these big thick glasses on she, she says are you Doyle Dykes she says I said yes she says God told me to bring you something from my garden today and it, it was just a, a little aluminum foil package and uh, she was walking she says I was in my garden God told me to bring this to Doyle Dykes are you Doyle Dykes she asked me three times I didn't even know what autism was. I didn't know, but I knew she was special. And she came up, and I said, well, I'll enjoy eating this from your garden. And she said, well, I wouldn't eat it. And, and she looked, and I had to stand there, and, and she said, you better look at it. And I peeled the foil back, and there's a white rose. And I'm going, oh, my Lord. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell anybody about that but him, my father. You're getting this? Yes, That's how much he loves us. And so I looked at that and I looked at her and I thought of all the people here, I would have chosen probably someone else. I, I don't know that I would have chosen her. We should never sum people up by the way they look, Amen. the way they dress, yes. the way they act. 
And so I, I, I said, well, this actually isn't mine. She said, well, God told me to bring you that, Brother Dykes. I said, yes, ma'am, he did. And, uh, and I told her the story and the whole thing, and she said, well, that's nice. And just turned and started walking out. Really? Are you serious? That's it? I mean, is that what angels do? I'm thinking she must be an angel or something. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that. I wrote this song years ago. I called it White Rose for Heidi. I remember uh, when I got the rose home the next day, she ran out and met me in, in my van. Good to have you home, Daddy, and gave me a big old hug, you know. Just shook when she did it, you know. And, uh, and I reached over, I said, it's a present for you. For me? She said, is it my rose? <laughs> I said, look at it. And she opened the package. And it's white, just like we ask. Mommy, 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 God brung my rose to me today. I'll never forget that. She's a nurse anesthetist today. She puts people to sleep, kind of like I am you right now. I can look at it. I can tell. This is White Rose for Heidi.
didn't spare his own son but he delivered him up for us all how shall he not also freely give us all things that's the love of a father my daddy gave me a J45 my heavenly father he's given us eternal life thank you Jesus for that This was my dad's favorite that I played. Besides the Chet stuff, he loved this. And if you look in my guitar, you'll see a picture of Bubba. You're welcome to come up and look at it.
you can just keep standing. I knew that would be fantastic, but it exceeded my expectations. Um, absolutely fantastic. What an honor to have Dole here today. He has product in the lobby, and for all the men, we have those Mexican Cokes and a snack for you. Um, I want to say this before we close and, and dismiss. I didn't say this to do 